Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So for you to ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings, you call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. microphone there it is hoya hoya folks welcome <laughs> welcome to the bible live broadcast the quiz show we're glad you're here with us uh jacob how's you going how'd your week go uh well it's not over yet but it's so far it's good i'm i'm open to other opinions though now wait a minute okay okay now let me just see you said the week's not over yet no Okay, I was talking about, I guess, last week. Oh, last week. Yeah. Ah, see. Because this week has just started, that's right? right? This is Sunday. That's right. <laughs> First day of the week. Okay, so uh, how did your week go your past week? Uh, Let's the start past the, week seemed all to go okay. Uh, hey, since you brought that up, may yeah. I segue? Oh, sorry, certainly. Why uh, not? Okay. 
And uh, it'll be interesting to me, and I hope others. Perhaps. I, I doubt it, but anyway. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. <laughs> anyway, here's what I, I did. This last week, I had the opportunity to uh, 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 this philosophy professor. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Michael McDowell. He teaches at uh, Northeast Lakeview College. He's mm-hmm. a Ph.D. in philosophy. And he has he does a really interesting thing. He brings in different people from different religions hmm. to speak to his philosophy class. Wow, very interesting thing to do, I and think, I would was, say. Uh, and he invited me, which will probably be the last time, but uh, he invited me. So, you know, and we showed a few things about, the, uh, since Perm was just got over, I showed mm-hmm. the class about the letters and the date. And my point, of course, is that I can... We can argue and dispute about what philosophy is and what uh, you know prophecy is, but we can't dispute about a date. Mm-hmm. Any rate, so any rate, he. Uh, I wanted to just. You're talking him. about the. Just so our listeners know, there's this. If you've listened to our programs, I guess the last couple, right? Last uh-huh. couple, of weeks, we we sure. talk about this phenomenon, this thing, this discovery of this embedded uh, date that is in the book of uh, es- Esther. Yes. And found there, and of course it, it related forward thousands of years to the time of um, Hitler, and the he uh, hung these four men who ten, were... Ten, ten, ten. Ten, ten, I'm sorry. Ten men who were part of the the um, the Nazi the top regime. The guys so working under Hitler, like and, his sons. Yeah, like, like the sons of Haman back in the book of Esther. Uh-huh. And one of them is a Hebrew expert. He was involved in helping to change the scriptures and so on for for Nazi Germany. Uh-huh. And he found this date embedded, and he recognized it as the date uh-huh. of his own execution. Well, the one guy right? who he had well, there's one German guy who was an expert in Hebrew. Stuff. It was a day of Purim. They they were uh, they were hung on the uh, Purim, yes, right? Exactly. So, and it actually from what. 2,000 years ago, uh-huh. or, or greater, probably more like 2,300 and some years ago, mm-hmm. it was actually embedded there. And the thing we can't get around, and see, I personally think that is so important that if you can I know, show you do. Date, You're very impressed with that. Well, it's because you can have one per- idea of what something is saying in interpretation. I can, but we cannot interpret a date. And that is what I think people really need to say, you know, golly, that's a hard fact. Right there. I, I think you underestimate the power of disbelief in human beings. Human beings, I mean, you, you could do a miracle right in front of their eyes, but some people well, would find could, a way you to You could dis- do a miracle in front of me. You could raise somebody from the dead, and I would not be impressed. I bet you would be. No. Oh, right. goodness gracious. No, because I, goodness gracious. Don't tell me that. Jesus said not to be impressed with miracles. Well, I know. I'm not saying you. I'm not talking about the conclusions you would draw, but goodness gracious, if someone... Surely you would go. Wow, <laughs> that's that's amazing. I mean, oh, if okay. you were truly if you were truly convinced, a guy's uh, a dead body came back to life. But I, I, I get you. What? Yeah. But I, I think the scriptures are full of miracles, well, full they, of yeah, yeah, they predictions are, and prophecies, are, and problem is, and other dates. There are even twenty eight hundred religions in the world. I guess that's what I hear. And each one of them twenty eight hundred. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's what they say when you Google it or something like that. Anyway, My the point man. is, they take the same verse. In fact, in the Jewish world and the Christian world. We take the same words, and they mean something different. But the one thing we cannot get around is a hard and fast date. See, I think that's, if I, like, if I can use a loose term, I think that's one of the tricks 
that the youth, especially in Christianity, needs to see something solid where they can't say, holy mackerel, you're just making up your interpretation of what you're mm-hmm, reading. Mm-hmm. can't get around dates. And it occurs more than once in a Torah. Oh, sure. But at any rate, I just wanted to say about that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that class. Uh, did they survive your well, visit? Well, we had a nice visit. And he is a, he's a very nice man. His name is Michael McDowell, and he teaches at North East Lakeview College. And I wanted to br- give him some credit because I think what he does is a very nice thing. He brings in people. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophy class. So, and it's the way different cultures and people deal with their rationale of afterlife, religion, God, whatever. But and, and I think everybody ought to run out there and sign up for that class. And now, he did not say this. But if I ran out and signed up for that class, I would ask him to give me a, a little sack of caramel corn as a gift for signing up. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Anyway, but now he he didn't say a word. But I, I, I would ask. I didn't know you had that addiction. That was that no, was. No, uh, no, I'm, just, is I'm, a I'm watching out for the prospective students. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I, and you told them some good stuff. And how how did they receive your uh, well, I, information? I, I, were there some questions and good well, interchange yeah, no, sure, of sure. ideas? And, uh-huh. I think they were surprised to see that. Uh, even the New York Times understood what it meant. Put it, it was in the front page of the mm-hmm. New York Times because I, I made a little packet and sure, I passed off sure. in the packet the actual page from the newspaper. I'm sure you did it up good. How many uh, students were in the room? Oh, I, I'm about twenty, I guess. Great, great. Proud of you, man. That's that's uh, doing what you should do. Doing what doing what the Jewish people were told to do. You know. Tell oh, yeah, and as you know, Jews always do what they're told. Exactly. I'm, I'm so... Uh, <laughs> well, that's what he's doing here, folks, by the way. This is the Bible Live quiz show, our Sunday evening program. We have a reading program where we go through the entire Bible every year. We've been doing that for, since 2001, uh, just a few weeks after um, the 9-11 incident there. We started our program, the Bible Live, reading through the entire Bible every year. Now, we've just oh, moved to the so Internet. Be. Yeah, this is such. We got a news flash. A news flash. We have John. The producer is here. Okay, and he is just good at this kind of. Yeah, yeah. So he just handed me. He's handy. He's handy. And he just handed me. I was wrong when I said twenty eight hundred. Brace yourself, Emmy. Oh my lands! Are you going to tell how many religions are in the world? Four thousand two hundred religions in the world presently. Bing! And that's with an arrow going up. Kind of growing like the uh, national debt, right? <laughs> Just, the little wheel is turning as religions and, are you know, created. There's so many religions, and they all say this is right, this is right. And I don't blame the youth and college students for saying, "Oh golly, give me a break!" Everybody's saying what it means, and everybody's saying, "I got the truth, I got the truth." And that's why these dates, something concrete becomes so important. Because I don't have to argue about what a date is or what it means. I can say, the date is there. There it is. And even the experts in those, so no matter what, how great your faith is, if you believe you can move mountains, you're not going to convince somebody else of that because the next guy will come along and say, oh, well, you know, no, my faith is great. Yeah, but... Yeah, people's ability to deny and resist and disbelieve and explain away. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you ten Tell me how that date got in there. I'm not going to tell you. I, I mean, I don't. Have, you don't have a problem. Your problem is not with me. I'm just talking about. I, I I've been around long enough to know that people's capacity for disbelief. Uh. I mean, it, like I said, you could do something right in front of them, and they'll tell you, oh, okay, no. Let's, let's they'll explain it away yeah, or give well, it a... Let's define our terms in a second. Belief and disbelief, that can occur when I'm telling you what something means and you believe it. 
this is really beyond the realm of belief and disbelief. If I said on January 2nd, 19, 2000, uh, 2018, this is going to happen. I wrote it down now. Put it in a sealed envelope. And it happened. We can't dispute what you believe or disbelieve. People dispute it all the time, Jacob. I mean, hey, really, they'll, they'll, they'll say you just lucked out, you just coincidence. I mean, I mean I, there's any. All I'm saying is, I think you're underestimating the human ability to disbelieve and to explain things the way they don't. You don't. A, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Uh, if if they don't want to believe it. They'll find out in oh, a number of ways. We'll just say John Hilton Science yeah. is a lucky guess. Yeah, sure. That's what it was. Yeah, that's why. And, and you know, it's sort of like when uh, the, Mar- Matisse drew a circle. He's not going to turn loose of his No, he drew John, a circle on the board when he wanted to take some art lessons from somebody. And he made a perfect circle. Uh-huh. And the guy said, oh, that's great. You can grow a perfect circle. And Matisse said, yeah, but the difference is I can do it every time. And then he was accepted to the class. Oh, I, I can show you the dates over and over. And one time, come on. But the dates, are that's the thing that's so concrete. See, I think that's what builds faith. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody's looking for something solid and substantive and something they can well, come to. Well, obviously that's, that's what we believe, the uh, Judaism and the Christian Messiah. That's what we believe that we have, but it's not just on one deal. There are, there are hundreds of predictions and dates and in in the Torah, and uh, that's not, in other words, the thing you're pre- mentioning is not even the first, uh, surely not even the most famous. I mean, there are very, very famous, the date of Jesus' birth, the date of Jesus' life, and that was all predicted in the Old Testament. See, uh, over and over you, again, you can say these things. Interpretation, belief, disbelief. And, and I'm not dismissing that, but I am saying that if I can avoid all that and say, look, I'm going to show you something concrete. Well, these are concrete. These no, are dates. No, These are exact dates. I can, I numbers can bring of in six we, people from six different denominations. They'll all explain it differently. Well, there you go. That's what I'm telling you. But that's basically anyway. Okay, we're going nowhere with this conversation. But I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm duly impressed. I like the okay. the thing. But I, I do think that you overestimate. What did the guys in the uh, the guys in the classroom? How did they respond to that? Did they go, "Wow, we all believe"? I, I interpreted all as, twenty people. Wow, how could that possibly be? Wow, really great. Yeah. No. Okay, I'm just saying. You asked me what I did. That's <laughs> yeah, what I. Did. That's what you did. Well, it was and it was great. I know it was. Well, we we read through this past week. Our reading schedule had us in the last chapters, the last three chapters of the book of Second Samuel. We've been reading and through First and Second yes. Samuel. So we read those three uh, chapters, Second Samuel chapter 22, 23, and 24. And then we moved over into the New Testament, back to the uh, uh, New Testament where we picked up in the Gospel of John. We've uh, already John. read. Didn't you tell me that's one of your favorite books? It is. I like John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we've already read. Matthew, the four Gospels, actually, the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, we read somewhere around the time of, the, uh, of uh, Christmas, I think it was. And was that right, or is it Luke? I think it was Matthew, yeah. Okay. We read into, at the time of uh, Christmas, we were reading the birth of, of Messiah. Then uh, we read through the Gospel of Luke, Mark, and then Luke. John is my favorite because, not for any particular reason, uh, Luke is a tremendous historian. Mark and uh, 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 Matthew and Mark are both very, very interesting to me. But John I like because it, it is the most theological it we it really seems to speak more to uh, about god uh, matthew emphasized jesus uh, in his uh, 
in his role as Messiah, his role as the the the, um, the, the Messiah, the from the Jewish perspective, uh, as his, the promise from Messiah yeah. Redeemer. Do, Mark, do we agree that he believed it? Oh yeah, who who who? Matthew? John. John. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I believe he believed it. Okay, sure. Mark Are emphasized you trouble answering this question, Soapy. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Mark emphasized the servant nature of Jesus. Luke re- emphasized the humanity of Messiah, and John here picks up on the deity. He he's interested in presenting the evidence that that Jesus was indeed this man that walking the streets of Jerusalem in first century Israel. This this teacher was indeed actually uh, the the eternal Son of God made flesh, the incarnate. So the incarnate Son of God. So he, he emphasizes that dimension, that aspect of Messiah's life and experience. And I find that very interesting. I've long thought, I've always wondered, how how did that happen? How is it that God himself w- could humble uh, to become and become truly, in, in a, and not in some kind of fanciful sort of imaginary sense, but in genuinely, really, truly, a man, you know, a tiny little fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb till all through the gestation period until his time of birth and blah, blah, blah. How, 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 did it, how could that be and what must that have been like? So that to me is very fascinating. That's why I like Gospel of John, and, and I think it does a brilliant job of, uh, of sharing that dimension of the life of Messiah. But anyway, we got into Gospel of John. We read what? Chapters 1 through 9. Yeah. So we have all these questions well, lined up for you. We have questions. <laughs> yeah. Do we have questions, by the way. John, I've heard a story about. He was kind of bald. Only had a few hairs on top of his head. Is and, that right? Yeah, and his son came up to the mother and said, Hey, Mom, how come my dad only has a couple of hairs on top of his head? And she said, Well, that's because he thinks a lot. He's very smart and he thinks a lot. And then the boy looked and said, Well, Mom, how come you have a full head of hair? <laughs> oh my land! You're going to have every every female in the, in the listening audience giving you a call. His phone number, folks, is <laughs> okay. Here we go. We're going to give you some questions from both the Psalms and the Proverbs. We read those as well uh, from those books, and then uh, um, I'll give you those questions. And then Jacob's going to give you some questions from those chapters of Second Samuel. Yeah, I'm going to and, do one from Samuel because I want to get into okay. John, your favorite book. All right, here we go. Psalm 66. Uh, and this is a question a lot of people ask. What is one reason that God allows us to be tempted and tested? Look at Psalm 66, verse 10. Some people ask, you know, why why are we tested? Why are we why do we suffer? Why are there difficulties and so on? What is one reason that God might allow us to be tempted and for our faith to be tested? That's one reason one question. Psalm 66 10. And then here's this question. Uh, Psalm 66 deals with um, it deals with this concept that I'm going to well, I'll, I'll just ask you the question straight out. God will not heed or attend to our prayers if we fail to do something. What is it? God will not heed to need, not heed or attend to our prayers if we fail to do what? What is it that it tells us in Psalm 66, verse 18? All right. That's uh, two questions from the Psalms. Let me ask one question from the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> it says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 36, All who hate me love death. 
Who is me? The me of that sentence. All who hate me love death. Who am I? All right? You can answer that question. Give us a call. 340-9585. And so... uh, 340-9585? Just want to make sure I'm getting that. All right. From the book of 2 Samuel, Jacob has a question of what? Question or two? I have. Let's do one. Um, Okay. Great. Well, let's okay. Which well, one? Well, we'll do your. Which next. one of these brilliant questions uh, that I made? The ones that were drafted by you, of course. Okay. <laughs> I wanted uh, to be. I wanted to be a little more subtle about that, but okay, uh, well, that's no, no, <laughs> that, that's about as subtle as I can get. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, anyway, you're number three. Second Samuel twenty-three contains a list of David's thirty mighty warriors. Actually, thirty-seven. Whose name is last? And you'll recognize the name, by the way. And this is a piece of the story that usually people are don't have a working familiarity with the Bible. Are so, are so shocked to find out this guy is listed there because they all know the story about him and his wife. Second Samuel twenty three contains a list of why is it they why are they called the thirty mighty, mighty warriors when they're actually thirty seven? Do you have an answer to that? Well, you're reading a different Bible than I mine says thirty seven. Okay, all right. I don't know why we have uh David's thirty is that in the context? Thirty mighty warriors? I don't is that in a verse somewhere? Anyway, whose name is listed last? Okay, you can look at that. Second Samuel and chapter two. Somebody 24. that everybody is familiar with about the story about him and his wife. We're we're thinking everybody is. Yeah. Well we'll, well see yeah. by the phone calls. Well, but let's see, because this is a piece of the story that people really, unless they know, like an yeah. expert like you are, they mm. would know that this guy appears hey, somewhere else. this expert has a couple of questions about that myself. I'd okay, like for you to... Okay, now let's go to John. On. Okay, go. I really want to discuss a couple things about John. Okay. And I want you to know... Besides I, why he had no hair? Yeah. Uh, I really want to say this, because I say this all the time, but I'd like to say it again. You know... I, I'm a great respecter of Christian uh, sure. scriptures and literature, and I am a really strong supporter of the Christian faith. Now, I also want to say that, however, when I read things, I read it from my paradigm of being a, a Jewish text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I read it, I probably well, read the same words. But Jesus get, was a Jew, right? I mean, yeah. you still do claim him. And... Uh, all the early writers, except Luke, I guess, uh, he was a Gentile, but the others were Jewish. So, well, I mean, you know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and you know that Moses was a Jew, too. Right? I hear that. Uh, and, in, and did you know he talked just like Elvis Presley? <laughs> was that snort? a snort? Did I snort? <laughs> I did. That is funny. That was well, not a dismissive snort, <laughs> no, audience. No, that it was wasn't. A chuckle. <laughs> that wasn't. I never thought of Moses. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he did. Much. He came up to Pharaoh, and since you said Jew, uh-huh. he came up to Pharaoh and said, oh, 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 Pharaoh, you can do anything, but stay off of my subdued juice. Oh, my lens. Mm. Is, uh, that's, okay, let's go on. Okay. Um, a little, uh, little Jewish humor there, uh, I think. A little, very little. Okay, like. no. Oh, here we go. Why do you laugh when he says something, John? <laughs> he doesn't laugh when I say things. Hey, John's a Gentile. He's on our side. <laughs> anyway, I'm, right, I don't okay, know where that one. came from. You're number one. This, okay. This is important. And you can give, and I would support 100% your interpretation from the Christian point of view. All right. But I am excited about sharing with you something from Jewish thought, Jewish history, about what this might mean from a different but perspective. But what I'm really interested in, okay, is, is I'll let you question. do that. You want to know the question. What I'm interested in is knowing what John meant. Okay. Yeah. Well, Are you going to speak to that as well? Uh, I'll try. Okay. Okay, you're number one. 
John says the Word is God, existing before creation and creating everything that exists. Who is the Word? Chapter 1, verse 17. Aha. Now, I'd also like to go into this. Um, Number, you're number five. All right. One religious leader, a Pharisee, uh, had a secret. Tell, tell who is a, what were the Pharisees? Tell, give uh, our listeners that. Well, they were a quasi-religious, quasi-political group. And uh, they were formed when the Jews could, by Roman law, this was later in the date, they could no longer have the Torah. So they would try to form rules. In the Hebrew, it's called building a fence. And they would build a fence around because if I don't have the Torah, now there would be some copies that famous Jews had buried in the ground and hid. There is hope for What is that? Somebody's That's our music for our first segment break. Right. So, so they were the Pharisees were trying to teach the Torah as best they could, but since they didn't have it, they'd build a fence around the rules. And it was really man-made rules. In Hebrew, it's called halakha, which is rabbinical-type rules. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, uh, so that's the Pharisees. We'll come back and talk a little bit more okay. about the well, quasi-political, quasi-religious. five question. And we'll okay. finish that number five question. Okay. All right. You can do that. Don't go away, folks. 340-9585 is our phone number. Give us a call if you'd like to answer any of those questions, and we'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to the Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. 2 Corinthians 4.15. All this is for your benefit. 
focus on the family's biblical advice benefits your life so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, it's advice that helps more and more families thrive. May cause Thanksgiving to overflow. Advice that will make you thankful too. To the glory. To the glory of God. Mornings at 7.30 and evenings at 7. Focus on the family. Only on AM 630 KSLR. Get your daily devotional, podcasts of your favorite programs, station and community events, and featured articles on a number of issues Christians need to know about. All in one place. KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. And we are back hitting the buttons there. Coming just a tiny bit late, but we're glad to be with you. 340-9585. That's our phone number here on the Bible Live quiz show. Right. Jacob was yeah. uh, Let's do giving us a five question. real quick and one more now. <clears throat> okay. okay. Finishing number five. One religious leader. A, a Pharisee. Pharisee. Uh, we'll practice that for the Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a secret late one night visit. He had a visit with Jesus. And he had a secret late night visit. Oh, that is. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, he had a secret late night visit. What's that buzzing around your head? I don't know. Um, You're okay. okay. He had a secret late night visit with Jesus and became a sympathizer. Who was he? Answer. John. Chapter 3, verse 1. And yeah. number 9 will be the last one, I guess. The famous John chapter 3, right? Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And 9, how did Jesus begin a conversation with the Samaritan woman? It's in chapter 4, verse 7. I love that story of the Samaritan woman. That's, yeah. uh, to me, it's kind of a, it's a sweet story of uh, Messiah breaking some uh, barriers, it seems like. Yeah. And, well, we're going to read it from okay, the Greek. Okay. We're right. going to read it from the Greek and see what it really says. All right. Well, I'll be glad to do that and glad to hear your comments. You can give us a call, folks. How did Jesus begin the conversation with this Samaritan woman uh, from the little village? I won't give you the name because it's another one of our questions. Uh, she He met her at midday uh, at a well. And it's called the famous story of the woman at the well. So how did he begin the conversation with her? And I'll tell you a little thing. I think it's a a principle that we can use when we talk to people in general. If we are interested as believers, as Christian believers, in having a witness and having and being able to share with people about our faith and about the, the, the um, redemptive plan of the Lord, the gospel, then... Uh, but Jesus, it's a good lesson for us. To, how did Jesus do it? Because he ends up sharing uh, the truth about himself and so on with this woman. And how did he begin the conversation? All right. John chapter 4, verse 7. And I'm also I'm very interested in that John chapter. A lot of folks don't realize that John chapter 3 is, is a long. He's got 36, uh, 36, I guess, 36 verses in it. 
the famous John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not, would not perish but have eternal life, that God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, I mean, all these beautiful, powerful verses, that's all in the context of his conversation with this, uh, this uh, what does it call him here, this Pharisee, this religious leader who uh, came to Jesus uh, had a secret late night visit with Jesus. It, do, do you interpret it that way too, Jacob? Does it look like he came to him late at night, and in other words, he was kind of not wanting to be out in the open about his curiosity, or he yeah. became a sympathizer, or a, a kind I, of? A, I think, factually speaking, we have to accept it at that. <clears throat> he did see. Okay. And and so here he talks, and he's asking. I guess he's asking what he considers to be. Uh, Tough questions of Jesus, the Messiah. He's asking difficult questions. He's he's trying to figure out what is it that you're actually teaching, and and uh, Jesus really he um, he says he says, "Are you a ruler of Israel and you don't know these things? You don't you don't you don't get these things? You know?" Well, why would I, he, I found that very why interesting. Why would he ask that question? Well, because I think he was just I think he was just. He seemed to be genuinely amazed, or maybe it was just being a little sarcastic. Are you ever in it? You don't get... Now, or, see, or, I take or was he really saying, surprised that no, he... No, I was thinking he's saying, uh, he's saying, you're a ruler of Israel? Because that is such common Jewish thought. I think he's saying, how in the world did you get to be a, a ruler? Uh-huh. You don't know what you're talking about. And and you're a ruler? Okay. Okay. You And I get it. I know why... Because I, I, I've been... Around you a lot. I've yeah, been listening to you. Uh, that that uh, that makes sense. It, what we know of the religious world in, in which Jesus moved and, and lived, uh, they were under, of course, politically, militarily, they were under the dictatorship of the tyranny of the Roman uh, Caesar and the Roman uh, government, sure. the Roman military, right. and that dictatorship they had enforced. They had forced. A lot of compromise on the Jewish people and the religious system in particular. They had uh, assigned their own high priest, I guess Caiaphas and so on, and they were they had in, they had forced the people to accept. I suppose non Levites into the priesthood. They were non Levites. Okay, and if you know the laws of God, they had to be <laughs> Levites. So obviously, they were buying and selling the offices. And they were buying the, They were paying Herod for the office. There's a tremendous amount of corruption in the uh, temple, in the religious system uh, of that era, and in politically in the, commu- well, let's not, in the community. Not, let's at large. not just blame the, some of the guys like Caiaphas. The truth is that some of them could actually get the office if, even if they were not Jews. But there were several apostate Jews. Yeah. And so they could make Is them. Nicodemus figuring among them or not? Nicodemus is a Greek name, right? It is Greek. Oh. Ah, now you know I where just, I'm headed, oh, don't okay. you? I picked okay. up on the yeah, Okay. Okay. Well, let's go on and we got let's take that sure. caller. We got somebody on the 3409585. Who is it on the line with us? Well, I'm I don't one. Do we have a name? Do you have a name? Oh, okay. Harold. <laughs> Do you have a name? Yes. That's my question. Hi, Harold. How are you this evening? Uh, well, you know, I've heard all the yes, I've heard all the numbers and the facts. But, you know, and come to the conclusion, you know, sometimes in all my diggings and studying, I come to this little thought is that I got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. That's that's how I end up every night. 
after all my studying. (laughs) You know how that song goes? I don't know if it's a song or not, but I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I think think it must be a song. That's too common. That's too common a statement. But anyway. So you're, you're. Well, it is. I just kind of heard it. I, I, I I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but I'm just, I'm kind of heard it. And I, I have a question. I've been waiting since last week. Okay. Uh, uh, it's kind of funny, but it, it's in Matthew uh, chapter nineteen twenty six. What what book? And oh, well, I got the King James version. What book right though? Now. Well, what the Bible, book? of course. No, no. What book of the Bible? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew nineteen okay. chapter nineteen. Okay. Um, uh, 26, where it says, with men, Jesus is saying, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And you jump up to 16, that's kind of how I read it, and behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Oh, you and one of Jacob's favorite passage. Uh, he likes really? this. Yeah, he likes this a lot. I've, uh, I've heard well, him talk nine, about this. And verse so he, 19. He said, yeah, he says uh, uh, something about sell your uh, goods and give to the poor, and then he something about the rich uh, not going to heaven. He said, but but it's easier for a rich man to go to uh, it's easier for a camel to, camel to go through the eye of a needle yeah. than for a rich man to go to well, heaven. It's easier for a camel to get Jesus to said first. To actually, he said first. Jesus said first, keep the commandment. Yeah. That's what he said. And then the thing that I really, really try to stick by uh, is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a one-time thing. Just at Christmas, just on a certain occasion, you know, I think we should, that's an everyday thing. You know, and if I you can do it, it on, once a week, that's great. I thought great. it was only on the Sabbath, Harold. I'm not sure. Ah, Treat your neighbor as your every day. Just don't be one of these yeah. one day a year Christian or whatever Jewish guys or whatever. I really do uh, enjoy that passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is a very powerful statement. No doubt. That's a very hard thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could love me. Like they live themselves. That would be kind of hard to do if you turn it around like well, let's that. Let's ask Jacob what That'd he thinks be. about that. And uh, thanks for calling in. I'm going to give him a chance to respond right. to that a bit. Hang on. All right, Jacob. What you like? I know you like this passage because you've spoken I to do. it before. And here is a hard thing to accept. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I think Harold. Well, really I know too. we don't spend a lot of time on that, but for the benefit of our gracious caller, Harold. Mm-hmm. Um, you see. Uh, what Harold's quoting is, and it's so coincidental because that professor, that philosophy professor, actually I discussed that with him a little bit today. And he pointed out something, which he made a very good point on. Uh, so I probably won't quote it. <laughs> so, but listen, all joking. Let's see why not. I no, no, but steal that in a New York Remember, second. He comes to say, hey, good, good, uh, good, he's talking, good uh, ruler. He's talking to Jesus. Uh-huh. By the way, this guy was a very short guy. He was a ruler. He's only 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> a ruler. Okay, uh, I get it. Anyway, so, um, so he says, hey, what must I, deed must I do to get into heaven? What well, deed? Okay. What deed? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good God. And he says, do you know the commandments? Well, one of the struggles are that women, Jesus didn't say, believe in me. He says, if you want to enter into life, do you know the commandments? And the reason this is very hard for, unless you understand the Jewish thought of religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
because he's not saying enter into life meaning going to heaven. He's talking about go getting into physical life. There's two parts of the covenant. Israel's side of the covenant, God's side of the covenant. The Jews, in their beliefs, go to heaven. Not that not by works, not by deeds. So when he says to Jesus, he says, what de- deed must I do? That's a blasphemous statement. Everybody, picture it like it's a stage play. Everybody knew, the Jews knew, I don't have to do deeds. It's un-Jewish to think you do deeds to get to heaven. It's just two parts of the covenant. God made a promise. He handles his side. He's going to give you Israel. He's going to give you heaven. That's a given. So Jesus says, well, do you know you want to enter into life? Then do your side of the covenant. In other words, enter into the life by keeping your part of the deal, your side of the covenant. Don't worry about getting to heaven. You're going to heaven. God takes care of that. It's already been promised. So I know that's a different thought, for especially in the Christian world. But of the course point, it is. Yeah. Of course it is. But he actually says, what well, I must I have an eternal life. And then he says, what deed? That, in the Jewish thought back then, even now, is an absolute contradiction in terms. Because you don't do good deeds in religion, in, Jesus, in Judaism, to get to heaven. Did Jesus answer the question? Yes. He says, if you want to enter into life, do you know the commandments? But did, did Jesus answer the questions of, of what, how do you get eternal life? Yes. And it's and it comes up. Uh, he actually answers uh, when it says, "Oh gosh, I haven't got to open to it." But yeah, it's uh, when he says, uh, "The the, his, the, um, the disciples say, well, gosh, who can be saved?'" Jesus' answer is, "Were they asking saved in the terms of eternal life or in the terms you're talking about eternal life?" Okay. And he said, "Who can be saved?" Jesus' answer is, "Anything is impossible with man, i.e." You can't do a deed. You can't work your way to heaven. It's impossible with man. Then he says, but with God, all things are possible. He's re- then he's referring to the other side of the covenant that God promised Israel. So he's saying, well, what can we do to be saved? Eternal life. And Jesus' answer is, it's impossible for man. There's no deeds that you can do. Judaism never taught that. And, and he said, but... With God, all things are possible. God on his side of the covenant with Israel, he'll get you to heaven. All right. Um, that's that's a, a perspective. It's a different take. Yeah, uh, sure. Unless different. you know yeah. the historical <clears throat> theological tenets of Jewish thought, the the whole passage of the story of the rich young ruler becomes a mystery because you think, how come he didn't say believe in me? Because that's a Christian take of that concept. But if you understand that the rich young ruler, and then he comes back and he says, and Jesus says, well, hey, do these uh, commandments. And he says, which ones? And Jesus names, I think, six. And he doesn't name the first four about God. And then he says, and the guy says, the rich young ruler says, oh, I've done those. But what am I lacking? Now, he's, that's not a, a dumb question by a guy that doesn't understand. That's a challenge. He says, hey, look. I stole this property, and if I've been promised heaven by God, because I'm in Israel, then what difference does it make if I return this stolen property? What am I lacking? I'm getting to heaven anyway. That's the conversation that's going on. And this is an antagonistic, challenging statement. This is a, this is a serious debate between this rich young ruler and Jesus with people listening. And the rich young ruler goes away 
um, sad, it says? Yes, because he's not giving up the gifts, the stuff that he stole. Because the same guy will explain. Technically, he's a thief. How mm. do we know he's a thief? Because Jesus states the law of God. Sell the possessions. Return. A rich man does not have to give up. There's nothing wrong with being rich if you make money honestly, legitimately. When the, the law says you must return the money, when you stole it, when it's been an act of thievery. That, and the remedy is, yes, you guessed it, ladies and gentlemen, return it to the people you took it from. So he was stealing from the temple. At that time, the Romans were requiring the Jews to live on, like 14 Jews to an acre. The only people in Israel that were rich or rulers, because they were conquered by Herod and by, uh, by the Romans, was people that could you know, work at the temple. And they took a little bit of vicarage for themselves by the donations to the temple. They gave some to Rome. They again, Herod took his cut. And the guys at the temple, they made their money by pocketing a little bit of themselves. So they're thieves. They're stealing from God. And the, we know this. I'm satisfied. I can determine it by the remedy that Jesus says. Now, if you do not know the remedy for a thief, then when he says, sell it and give it back to the poor, then you'll not understand what's really going on. Jesus is saying, you're a thief. You stole from the temple. But he didn't say sell it and give it back to the, uh, he said give it to the poor. He didn't he did. say give it back to the poor. But okay. Oh, yeah, There's a lot of reading into the text. You're exactly right. Well, and I'll, like we, I said, I'll tell you, you can challenge me and you can no, check it. I'm not no, going to no, challenge it's you at all. Exodus chapter 22 will give you verse <clears> 3 and 4 will absolutely say what I'm saying. No, no, I, I don't have a problem with it in, in a sense. I know. Uh, but it, it's an awful lot of uh, the. It's an awful lot of reading into that actually kind of changes the whole sense, the whole story, the normal story that we oh, would right. just read and go, "Huh, it makes." To me, it made it makes sense just even on a just read through it quickly. Yeah. It makes sense on that level. Right. I've never really had a difficulty with it, uh, but. I, I'm I'm interested. Well, I mean, that's well, and I will tell you, it's so coincidental because I actually had this conversation with that philosophy professor, I professor for a few minutes today. Are you talking about this very same passage? Yes. Isn't How that, about that? Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. So, maybe, maybe Harold maybe was it's listening. Not in, coincidental. <laughs> but when he says, "What what am I lacking?" Yeah. Well, what you're lacking is you got stolen stuff. You're not doing. You're not entering into physical life by keeping your side of the covenant. Well, now, isn't this the passage where Jesus talks about you should love... He asked him what the greatest commandment? Or is this the one... He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbors. No, that's... I thought Harold was bringing that up as part of that context. He may have, but no, I don't believe that's in this passage. Okay, all right, all right. Well, okay, you can give us a call. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I, I think that's actually the 10th commandment. Because how would you love your neighbor as yourself? Because the tenth command says you shall not covet. If you do, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not coveting because you're as happy for them to have a blessing as you are for you to have the blessing. So you're not coveting. I like that a lot. There's a lot, whole lot of coveting going on in our society. There's a lot of racial and economic jealousy, and we, we um, I, and I, we begrudge people who are doing well, and we think all rich people are. Do- and like you say, I suppose there are some uh, who are, are illegitimately receive their wealth, are taking advantage, or robbing, or stealing, and of course that's not good. But uh, people who do well, and, and honestly, often in our culture, have been extremely 
uh, as well, very generous in giving and supporting uh, little leagues and, and all sure. kinds of good causes. You know, in all hands. fairness, I was joking. I wasn't going to mention what that professor McDowell said in a uh-huh. short conversation with him today. But he brought up something good, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Because mm-hmm. the law is if you have the money, you pay it back. And you do to yourself what you did to somebody else, you've got to pay double. But if you don't have it, then you have to work off the part that you can't pay. And that's why Jesus says, sell your goods, your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. Now, if, in the Christian reading, if Jesus is God or Son of God, then he's saying you've been stealing from me, if you like that Christian take, and come work for me. Now, that's what the the professor quoted, and I thought it was a really, really nice take. I take it a little differently, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. But And as I say... I approach this from a different paradigm as perhaps a Christian reader might. And that, uh, yes. that doesn't and that doesn't make me right or wrong and but I, I do I'm being honest, I approach it a little differently. Well, that's all right. We we can handle it. We I, can hear it I and uh and go to the scriptures and, and let the, let them inform us. Okay, let me run through these questions. Uh from Psalm sixty six. What is one reason that God allows us to be tempted and tested? Look at Psalm sixty six verse ten. What is one reason Maybe you've wondered, why does God let me in, have to go through this? Why am I being tempted? Why am I, my faith is being tested? Things aren't going really well and something's happening. Uh, why does that sometimes happen? You can always also look in the, in the book of James. I think James kind of informs himself from this passage in Psalms. But what is one reason that God allows us uh, to be tempted and tested? Psalm 66.10, God will not heed or attend to our prayers if we fail to do something in particular, what is it that we must do to be have that assurance and that certainty that God hears and, and attends to our prayers? Psalm sixty six eighteen is there for that answer. And then this question from Proverbs chapter eight All who hate me love death. Who is me in that sentence? All who hate me love death. Who am I? And then from the book of Second Samuel uh, in chapter 23 of the book of Second Samuel, which is the second to the last chapter, there is a list of David's mighty warriors. Uh, and uh, to me, this is real fascinating because one aspect of David, this very unique individual, David, this king of Israel and so on, the shepherd king, and we talked extensively about David last week. And as the what was he, the eighth child of Jesse? I believe that's correct. Okay, a, a young, the youngest of the of the of the tribe of the clan there, and and so on. A very unusual, gifted, musical, great warrior. And one one other thing about David, clearly, was that he was a great leader of men. He he seemed to be a man's man. Now, people, men flocked around him. They followed him loyally. Uh, he seemed to have a real ability to touch. Uh, he probably liked to hunt and fish and do manly things. You know. And <laughs> I'm guessing, but David gathered these the, these this group of mighty warriors, and one of the great secrets of his success is he, these men he gathered around himself, and they they were they were truly a, a great list of men. They were great warriors, and the last one is very surprising, though in a way, and that's our question: Who is the last warrior listed? In Second Samuel chapter 23, whose name is last in that list of David's warriors? And, uh, and then we can talk about a little bit about maybe why it's so unusual that his name 
would be on the list. Okay, and then from the Gospel of John, Jacob has uh, pointed out these three questions. Actually, I picked three excellent questions that you wrote. Okay, the Apostle John says that the Word is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All the, He created everything that exists, and without Him was not anything created that was created, and so on and so on. And who is this Word? In the beginning was the Word. Who is this referring to? And you can look in John chapter 1, verse 14, or John chapter 1, verse 17, to find the answer. Who is the Word that God is uh, that John is referring to. And then in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, the famous John chapter 3, um, one religious leader, a Pharisee, and this is a quasi-religious or political group, and you're along the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and there was another group. I've, uh, I've forgotten the name the of Herodians. Them. The Herodians. The uh, Herodians. I guess there were yeah, several. There was uh, Essenes and a few others. Okay. Uh, these groups that existed in, in the culture, in the society there in first century Israel. And this w- religious leader who is a member of the Pharisees, and they, I guess they were more one of the two dominant groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, this man had a secret late-night visit with Jesus, uh, and he became a sympathizer uh, of the of the movement of of Jesus uh, and his claims and the movement that came up about him, around him, uh, who is this fellow? What is his name? I gave his name out a while ago, didn't I? Well, I wasn't going to point that. I out. did. So I let's did. Just, well, let's just let that slide. Okay, and you find the answer in John chapter three, verse one. What was his name? And I told you a while ago, it's a it's a Greek name, it so that should help name. out. Isn't that interesting? How did Jesus begin the conversation with the Samaritan woman in John chapter four? Because we cut away from John chapter three immediately after this really very interesting conversation and a very informative, very educational conversation that God, that Jesus has with with this man this religious leader, and we uh, move to this experience of Jesus uh, going through, walking through Samaria to the north of Israel, and he comes um, across this woman uh, at, at a well, and he begins a conversation with her that actually ends up not only uh, impacting her life, but the entire village that she comes from. It's yep. a it's a very interesting, very powerful passage. This little village where she lives, north of uh, up in north of Israel, up in the land of Samaria. So the Samaria. How did Jesus begin the conversation with that woman? Okay, it's you look in chapter four, verse seven. And I'm not looking for the deeper meaning of the deeper meaning. You know that, that I'm just saying in that. As that the text Jew, is written, that Jewish stuff. <laughs> no, 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 not really. I don't mind the Jewish stuff, but I'm just saying, as the text is written there, I, I just don't want folks to think that you have to come up with something really extremely profound. Just look at the text, and it says how he opened the conversation. Well, we won't. We how won't did reject he do that? It if they come up with profound? No, nah, no. Nah, if you can be as profound and profane, uh, no, profound as you want, and we will be glad or to confounded. hear. Confounded. Yeah, confounded <laughs> as you want. So uh, give us a give us a call three four zero. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Love to hear from you if you know the answer to any of those questions, or maybe you yourself have a question about uh, about the Bible, about the Scriptures, about the Gospel of John, about 
uh, you know, the God of the Bible or Jesus, the Messiah or the salvation or any of these things. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to bring to us and uh, or a thought about the scriptures you'd like to share with us. We'd love to hear from you. The phone number is 340-9585. Yeah. Somebody call in and talk about John. There's some great things to talk about. Somebody call it. About the Apostle John. All right. We'll be back in just mere seconds. 340-9585. Don't you dare go away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. This is the final segment, the final half hour of the Bible Live quiz show. You can give us a call, 340-9585, and we'd love to take your call. We'd love for you to answer a question. Uh, from our Bible readings this last week, or you can share your own question, your own thoughts, something that's been on your heart and mind as well. And that's what Daisy is doing. And we're going to pick a Daisy. Hi, Daisy. Good to hear from you this evening. Oh, hi. Hi. Now, Daisy, turn down your radio so you're not listening to it. There's a little bit of a delay between us and your radio. So turn down your radio so we can talk yeah, we, to you. We think slower than that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Good deal. Join with us. Did you want to answer one of the questions, or did you have maybe a thought of your own to share with us? Well, um, I was just curious on um, the woman at the well, and Jesus asked her for water. Yes, that is the answer to the question. What was the first oh, thing? Okay. What, how did Jesus begin the conversation? And essentially, he asked her a question. Uh can you give me a drink of water? I, I, and I always thought right. that, I always thought that was interesting, Daisy, because sometimes we struggle with. I, I, sometimes, as part of the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, we're a very evangelistic ministry. We we believe that we part of our calling as God's people is to share the gospel with others, and people are always wondering. You know, we we do a little bit of training about how how can we effectively share our faith with others, and I always tell them our best friends are who, what, when, where, how, and why. I mean, we. If you really want to meet people and know, you have to be interested in people in their lives, what they're like, uh, where they come from, what they do, what are their interests. And so when we ask questions, it's a great way to get involved in people and be interested in people in their lives. And, of course, that's what we see Jesus doing here is he, he asks a question. Hey, can I have a, a drink? Here's this woman at the well at middle of the day. And he says, can I have a drink? And, and that opens up this conversation and as you, if you read the story of gospel, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter four, it turns into an amazing conversation, doesn't it? Very interesting. Yes, it is. Can you tell us a little bit of the story, Daisy? Uh, what happens? What happens with this woman? Do you remember a little bit of the story? Um. Oh, I I don't remember all of it, but I just know she went to 
to the well because she was thirsty. And Jesus was, uh, came, there she was. Yeah. And he wanted her taste to take a drink of water, but the water from Jesus is you will never thirst again. Yeah, he goes and with only Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. That's, and a so, that's a wonderful transition he makes from from talking about physical things, a drink of water out of the well, and he transitions yes. he transitions to spiritual things with that phrase. You know, the, you can give me a drink of water here, but I can give you water that if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. And so he transitions to spiritual matters, and that's one of the in terms of witnessing. Right. That's when we witness to other people about our faith. That's one of the key things: is how do we change from talking about the weather, football, you know, the Spurs. How do we change from talking about uh, those? How do we move and transition to spiritual matters? And right. Jesus shows us here. There's he he talks about water and he says, "Hey, I can give you water. You'll never thirst again." And and so on. It's a very interesting story. I'm I'm kind of interested in in Jacob's take on that particular conversation. What we have is this woman at midday. Now a lot of people conjecture that she was a uh, an immoral woman. Because she was going, usually women didn't go out to get water at the well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. They usually went early in the morning or maybe in the evening. And so there's been some conjecture that she was, she was there because she was pretty much ostracized by a polite society of her little town. And so, right. and it, and we find out that she, I think she has four or five husbands. And Jesus said, the man you're, yes. living, the man you're living with now is not your husband and so on. So he, he kind of, reveals some things about her, but she really seems to be a God-seeking person, someone who, behind the facade and underneath all the tough you know, background, all that, she says, you know, she's one who's interested in spiritual things and once desires God, and she, Jesus presents the claims, I am the Messiah, the one you're speaking with, now I am he, and uh, she goes back to her little village, and interesting, she, interestingly, she tells the men of the village, <laughs> I don't know, yes. maybe those are the ones she has the most relationship with, but she tells the men of the village that you've got to come meet this guy. He told me everything I ever did. He's, uh, could this be the Messiah? And so they went, isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? It, isn't it? What a wonderful Savior we have. He goes out, they go out and meet him, and then Jesus ends up spending three or four days with them and a little mini revival takes place in that little village of, and I'll give you the name of the village, Sikar, S-Y-S-C-H-A-R. Oh, okay, yes. And so uh, it's a very interesting story. Uh, Jacob, what do you read? The Samaritan people didn't have much relationship with, according to this woman. Yeah. You know, you Jewish, right. y'all don't have, you, you don't really get along too much with us Samaritans. And, and of course, here's Jesus in the middle of the day talking to a woman, uh, which is probably, I think, I understand. It was not particularly kosher as well. Um, but do you read, how do you read that particular well, I, and, story, I, I'm Jacob? I'm getting kind of what you're saying. That I get this flavor, this tone from the story that the woman may be rather flirtatious, shall we say, <laughs> in the most kind of sense. Yes. What I have been... Okay, Bevan, I have to go. All right, dear. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. You bet. Good to hear from you, Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. I appreciate your comments. I suspect that this, this, (laughs) I won't, uh, I would say probably, don't you think, John, John, she was probably hot, right? She's probably a really good looking woman, wouldn't you think? Probably attractive lady. (laughs) 
John doesn't know what to John do with John and I question. both are staring at <laughs> you right now. Going, if anybody could see us, we're both just staring what at you. What does he mean? Where's he going with that? No, but I want to hear from you. What, what do you think about this incident? How do you all read it? Well, How do you... I, it, I think chapter 3, chapter 4 go together. Okay, I like that. Because and if you read them... It, because they it, actually do. Well, chapter 3 leads right into chapter it, they 4. They do, huh? <laughs> and so, but if you read it kind of like in a Jewish context, we always have to take it and kind of compare it. And that's uh-huh. how I tend to read the, these things. I'm a little bit surprised that even even in Hebrew, or, that four follows three. Y'all don't argue with that, huh? I would think you would have a, an argument. <laughs> no, Soapy. Uh, have you I, forgotten three and a half? You know, I mean, there's always no, that. No, I, I think you you make such a startling point. And my, actually, my comment is you're going back to dates and chapter numbers that cannot be argued about disbelief. Oh, okay. You yeah, remember at the beginning, what oh, have we lost here? And I said, no, you can't argue about dates. What now you're saying, oh, dates uh, are there. Three is followed, uh, four, okay. three is followed uh, by four. Okay, uh, okay. anyway. There. Now, chapter three, you have the highest guy, you might say, in Jewish society. Interesting. Contrasting and, it with... The, the lower, the lowest around Israel at that time. So you got the, both the high and the low. And Jesus is talking to, to them both. Uh-huh. So he's giving his message to the highest and to the lowest. And interestingly, it seems to be the lowest that is most responsive in, in a way. Which well, I, I will say in a way. Could be surprising. But, you know, there is something interesting because the woman says, uh, the verse you're alluding to is verse 9, where it says, Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? I've always picked up that she's being a little flirtatious, a little experimental. She's saying, hey, you know, I don't get approached by men unless they're interested in me, even if you're a Jew. Oh, boy, that's an interesting. I know. But I, I have been so touched and moved about the, the absolute, um, how sedate, what kind of decorum Jesus has, because he constantly ignores all that kind of suggestion that I kind of pick up on, and he brings it right back down to being right concrete about being sober and just talking about what it's saying. And he brings it right back to his, he doesn't pick up on anything bad. He keeps it right on topic. Now, and let me read the rest of the verse. Uh Uh-huh, go ahead. And some of the, most of the translations, it'll have this. It says, for I am a Samaritan woman. For you Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, the Greek says, and it, and what it's really meaning, and this is from the Greek, is that you do not use our utensils. In other words, the Jews were keeping kosher. So the, the cup has to be kosher. So when it says, and anybody that's got a, you know, a Greek hand, they can go verify that. But it has to do, and like if you look in NASB, which is a great translation because it's the most literal English translation from the Greek, mm-hmm. it'll actually come back and say, uh, give you the, in the note that this means um, you, do, you don't use our utensils, our cups. So, But if I leave it at you don't have any dealings, it sounds like she's saying, oh, you Jews are very prejudiced. But that's not what she's talking about. She's talking about you don't use our utensils, you don't use our our uh, cups, because we d- were not kosher, and the Jews kept kosher. So uh, that's what I kind of take about it. And, of course, uh, I think he's talking to the highest and to the lowest. And since we're getting short on time, why don't we go ahead and address the other question about you had about who is uh, the question number five, about who is this guy that Jesus was meeting with? Okay, do that.
Okay. As you said, the name is Greek. It's Nicodemus. He sneaks over and he sees Jesus, I believe, at nighttime. And you got what you'd call a ruler. He's obviously working uh, compatibility with Rome, with Herod. Or not, not 12 inches, a real uh, one who's someone in charge, yeah. a real ruler. So he's a ruler. He's Nicodemus. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a Greek name. And he's working there. And he is like representative because he's appointed by Rome or Herod. He's obviously got connections. And so he's the highest in the society. But then when you put that with chapter 4, you got what we've agreed is kind of like the lowest, right? That would be yes. You can't yes, sir, I'm shaking my head on we're, radio. We're on the radio, you cannot shake your head. <laughs> yes, okay. I'd say. Okay, now here's the deal. Now, I want to point out something. Nicodemus. He comes back and uh, and he's, he meets Jesus. And in verse uh, 9, Nicodemus said to him, Jesus, how can these things be? Because Jesus said you have to be born again. 10, Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? In other words, I read that as mean this is such a common idea that how come you're a teacher of Israel and don't know this stuff? Now, that's how I take it. Then I want to listen carefully to the verbiage, the words in verse 11. Uh, Jesus continues, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony, verse 11. And he says, we and our, in verse 11, that appears to be, he's saying, hey, this, this is a Jewish concept. How did you, the guy with the Nicodemus name, how did he, how did you get up being a ruler? And that would explain why he says, you're a ruler, a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Because he's got, a, he's either, I think, he's clearly either an apostate Jew that's adopted the Greek way of life, or he may be somebody that's bought the office, perhaps it may not be a Jew. But we know his name is Greek. But what's fascinating, he talks about being born again. Nicodemus says, uh, how can these things be? Ten. He says, uh, you're a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Is, is the concept of being born again uh-huh. uh, yes. uh, something that is clearly understood? Uh, May I tell you a short, uh, the word Midrash in Hebrew. Uh-huh. There's a great story, uh, Midrash. There are these two babies. I'm going to cut it short for time. Uh-huh. There's two babies, it's twins, in a mother's womb. They're talking, the two babies are communicating. And one says to the other, hey, you think there's life after this? Uh-huh. The other one says, I don't know. And then the mother gets to give birth. The first one that asks the question, do you think there's life death? The first one is born. The second one is still in the womb. And when the first one is born, what happens is it comes back. Immediately born, the first one screams. The second one still in the womb says, I knew it. There is nothing. He died. Well, obviously, you and I know that's not what happens. They're, that's the scream of life. They I mean, were the, coming the into life. Yeah, okay. So in the Jewish understanding of religion, uh, these are just different forms and different stages you pass through. In other words, you're born into the world. When you leave the world, you're just shedding your body and your spirit goes back wherever it goes. And the idea is so there is the sense of this eternal life. So being dead is not dead. Being born is not born. The real you is just going through different stages, different forms. So you say, do they have the concept of born again? The answer would be, yeah. 
I'm born again. The Midrash is the babe, twins in the mother's womb. They're born when they leave this stage. This is more or less like a womb. We're born again. It's a very common Jewish concept. Hmm. So he says, well, how is it you don't know? And, of course, he's got the Greek name of Nicodemus. But what I find is so remarkable is verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. So Jesus clearly distinguishing between what him, his teaching, yeah. his teaching, and perhaps what the Jews understand, and what Nicodemus does not seem to understand that a teacher of Israel should understand. There's something going on here, you see. That, that's just my comment. But go ahead. I know we got a couple callers, so go ahead. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take a priority then and bring up Lee, who is calling in. Let's see if we can go on and let Lee share with us. Maybe, maybe you have an insight, Lee, or a thought about this particular passage, or maybe you want to answer one of the questions that we put out there on the air tonight. Love to hear from you. Thanks for calling, Lee. How are you tonight? I am blessed and breathing, guys. Thank you for your program. All right. Glad to hear from you. What's going on? Uh, well, I, 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 did you get an answer to your Second Samuel twenty three thirty nine and also the one about John one? Did you get those? I answers? don't believe we did get the Second Samuel uh, twenty three. Oh, who no, is the last person? Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, go ahead. And, who is the last person in this list of David's mighty warriors? Well, that of course was Uriah the Hittite, and it was his wife Bathsheba that David committed adultery with. Oh, we got us, and we, it's we also the one that David actually had killed, right? Absolutely, he murdered him in, in battle. Isn't he, that interesting that this is one of David's loyalest guys, and he betrays him? That always completes the picture of how sinister, how terrible how this was. Yeah, this entire transaction was. I've always been fascinated. And uh, obviously, we got a guy on here that knows the Bible. Well, maybe Lee's got another answer. Lee, I've always, when I read this before, I've always wondered. I, I've always wondered why David, in a sense, I guess I don't know, from kind of as a Gentile reader of the thing, I've always kind of wondered how, how did and why did David get away with this? Why was because both of those murder and adultery are. Uh, as I understand the, the the Torah, the Jewish law, both of those are capital offenses. They are uh, they are sins that require the death penalty. There is a third. If you marry a woman that's very hard to get along with for her money, that is capital punishment. <laughs> Just being married yeah. to her is no, also no, the capital. Well, he capital. he oh, covered it up in the battle. He ordered one of his commanders to put Uriah in the front lines where he knew from his own battle experience that he would be killed. That it was the hottest place to be uh, right there by the wall where they were throwing down rocks and spears and arrows and and so forth. The modern so military he, version and it was just oh okay he's a casualty. The, mo- the modern military version of that of course coming I think maybe out of Vietnam was this idea of fragging put somebody up in the front lines and then pull the Pull your people back and that let that person be killed. Uh, I, I I guess it was kind of a. Moment. I don't know. I was a Vietnam. I'm a Vietnam veteran, but I don't remember that. Well, well I've heard of that. I haven't. Okay. It's okay. The idea of. Uh, I, I don't know. Somehow I've read about it. I wish I. You know, and thank you for your service, by the way. I really appreciate. Oh, well, it. you thank, thank the Lord that I'm home. That's where I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Is that right? Amen. I hear that. Well, the idea though is that yeah he. He put him up front, according to you know, under orders from David, and they pulled right. back the and the man and Uriah was killed. So you've got both murder and you've got uh, adultery, and and it seems like David, in a way, 
kind of gets away with it. Now, uh, I, I'm wondering, have you dealt with that? Uh, Jacob has a good explanation and kind of satisfied me, but I'm wondering in your mind, have you ever wondered about that or thought, well, that you know, he was supposed to, those are capital offenses. Yeah. Well, I, I, if you look at it from the standpoint of church discipline today, uh, we have some challenges in the church. We have immodesty. Uh, we have the same problems that Paul dealt with, you know, cast down imaginations and every high thing, uh-huh. addiction to pornography. Uh, David was not a perfect man, and I don't think Bathsheba, I think she was complicit, you know, who goes out and bathes inside of the palace and you know you know what i'm talking about i guess so i think uh, and uh, I, I just think too you think that, maybe that was a mitigating uh, factor in that right and, and of course it took nathan to uh i'm sure that david's conscience was bothering him mm-hmm. for I mean, that's full, full, the way romans one goes that, for a full uh, year he thought maybe he had gotten away with it but then nathan reveals and said you're the man you did this yeah okay uh, do you want me to answer that one about the Word in John 1, or do you yeah, want to that? would be great. Yeah, who is, uh, does John reveal who he's talking about? Well, can I cheat and go to Revelation 19.13? Love to hear it. I, and Jacob. Okay. He is clothed in a vesture, a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. So if you if you go, again. if you do exegesis of Scripture, you'll find that... Uh, the word is Jesus Christ. Yep. Well, even John himself says in verse fourteen, and right, the word right. became flesh and a- dwelt and, among uh, us. What was that? Revelation. What chapter and verse? Lee. Nineteen thirteen. Nineteen thirteen. Okay. Okay. Well, he loves that sort of thing, comparing passage yeah. with passage, and, and yeah. Well, Bible. that's what uh, the, the Bible Important. speaks to us. Sure. Sure. So just you know, like Isaiah fifty three, and you can go to. Romans three twenty three and exactly very very goodly excellent excellent observations so uh, the the I mean, we do we want to hear what what Jacob has exactly, to say about yes. that other thing you know but what? anyway I'm sorry I, I'll be quiet no, don't, don't, be, don't be quiet this is a conversation I want you there you're good you're good listen um, well that's that's the Lord has okay. helped me there okay so we'll give him a, a help too. Uh, congratulations. Anyway, the uh, but the point is in ancient teaching in Hebrew, there because it says the word uh, in John beginning it says uh, he was the word. The word is with God, and the word was God. Right. Same as in the beginning uh, with God. All now, things were made by him. Fascinating to me is that in the ancient Hebrew, there is the story. It goes like this: that, and I'm going to use. Anthrop- is this from Genesis or? Mm, no, I'll just teach. You. Okay. Okay. So it's uh, anthropomorphic. Um, uh, anthropomorphic. 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 Thank you, yes. Sophie. You're okay. welcome, sir. So I'm going to use that to, to explain. But so they use physical to explain spiritual. So when God spoke the word into being, what happened is they tell the spoke story. Spoke the world into being. Okay. Mm-hmm. The world into being. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, the air in his lungs, and I'm speaking as a human being. Anthropomorphism. Mm-hmm. Anthropomorphism, anthropomorphic, yes, uh-huh. thank you. The air in God's lungs. Yes, so before the air left his lungs, just like when I'm talking, before I speak, the air is in my lungs. So it is part of me. And the old Jewish teaching was the air was part of him. And then you have to use air, and then the words are formed in the mouth, and the air brings it out into the world. Once my words leave me, my words... My breath, my air, 
is no longer part of me. It's separate from me, and it's out here in the world. It now is living, you might say. But it's an expression of you. Yes, so. What it is, so the, and I have often found it fascinating that that ancient Jewish teaching is almost this line, because the air, it, they, and the lines they actually use is that it was part of God, it was God, and he spoke it, and it, he, after he spoke it, it was with God. I mean, it's almost the mm. same language, mm-hmm. and that has always impressed me. Can, can I add one other quick verse for you? Love to hear it. On that whole issue? Uh, uh, Hebrews 11.2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And if you connect that with Colossians, you'll see the evidence that the Bible speaks heavily that Christ is our creator. And he is the Word of God. Excellent. Yeah, that, that uh, Colossians is beautiful on that particular. There's this great uh, worship passage that talks about uh, about Messiah and his uh, co-equal with the Father, and so on and so on. And we are, and because of that, we are complete in Him because of His redemptive plan and what He's done for us. Yeah, it all runs together so beautifully as passage explains passage. There is a there's a consistency. Throughout of, of this this wonderful message, Old and New Testament. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Colossians one sixteen. By the way, is, is the cross reference on that? And you know what? What's fascinating to me, and a lot of uh, this may be a kind of an unusual idea, but as passionate and as loving as of Jesus as a devout Christian is, the Jews have the idea that the words from God were part of God. So. They had share the same exact passion about the Torah that Christians do about Jesus, believe it or not. Same exact thing. And don't we actually oh, wow. don't we actually emphasize as well, Lee, that Jesus is the expression of the word. He is to to a great degree, Jesus and the Torah are one. They yes. And I think just being the word, it's supernatural. And we would sit, like my wife and I are sitting down and we're reading Old and New Testament, trying to read through the Bible in the year. And it's all, it's all the supernatural uh, Christ. Amen, amen. Lee, thanks for calling in. Our time is up for the evening. We thank you for your being with us this evening, folks. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Thank you, Lee, and thank you, everybody. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.